You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for being here with us. On this edition of the podcast, RA's partnership with Black Minds Matter continues. Black Minds Matter is a charity on a mission to connect black individuals and families with free mental health services by professional black therapists. Black Minds Matter are currently looking for 21,000 long-term donors who are able to donate £5 a month. With your support, they can take real steps towards achieving their goal of creating a lasting impact on the face of black mental health. There are links in the description of this podcast if you're able to help. Every month in 2021, we are celebrating a black-owned creative electronic music project by hearing their story on this podcast, on the site, and by offering some financial support. You can find the full details of RA's partnership with Black Minds Matter at ra.co forward slash about forward slash community. So let me fill you in on this month's episode. Andrew Mensah is back with us and this time he has spoken with the lecturer and creative Mike Calandra Achorde. Black imagination, the African imagination, especially when it comes to sonic communication, is incredible. And I'm worried that we don't really know what we want to do with it. So um, we might end up being in a economic systems that doesn't really help us in terms of maintaining our creativity and our distinctiveness, because the distinctiveness for me is very important. Moved by a passion for subcultures, Mike founded Cruda Volta, a visual project documenting the development of the contemporary musical scenes of the African diaspora. Crudo Volta's most popular format is The Taxi, a documentary format where the collective investigates contemporary African music scenes through the expedient of a taxi ride. Mike also currently lectures on the BA Graphic Communication Design course at Central St. Martins. As you're about to hear, Andrew and Mike talked about the opportunities for versatility within graphic design, the economics of contemporary black music, and about the mental health benefits of taking a walk. I hope that you have a wonderful listen to Mike Kalandra Achorde on RA's Exchange. joined today by Mike Calandra Achorde, who is the founder yep. of Crudo Volta, yep. which is a platform which is basically has was created to shine a light on contemporary African um, musical scenes and the way in which they connected the African diaspora. How are you today, Mike? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Good to see you. Good to hear you. Where are you? And uh, yeah, I mean, my flat in Stratford is London, E15 to the world. Nice. How are you feeling today? How has your day been so far? What's the energy? Uh, it's been relaxing. Like it's been a sort of um, interesting year. It's been a quite a busy year, and um, I'm uh, relaxing for a couple of weeks because uh, we have uh, some projects uh, uh, in the making uh, coming uh, this autumn. So I'm just taking some time to recenter. It's been a very interesting year. I mean, in a, in a positive uh, framework, yeah. 
Good, good. Yeah, I think it's been, there have been many challenges, but I think actually, as the saying goes, through adversity become, comes uh, opportunity. Do you Absolutely. know what I mean? Uh, there are definitely ways in which you find opportunities to sort of like feed your way or navigate some sort of a uh, creative like um, project Absolutely. Um, or outlet, essentially. Absolutely. Okay, great. So could you tell us a bit about Crude Volta in your own words? Oh, well, I mean, just to be... Um, I would say like Crude Volta is, um, is a community, I, I would say. Um, it starts, as, as you say, as an intention to... Um, I would say like a frame um contemporary african culture just like as a sort of like in a most photographic uh, aspect of the term right let's just have, have it so what's what's happening mm-hmm. and um and then um and then like year by year it, it became a community so i have uh, collaborators friends um music heads generally interested in what these scenes are about um i started not knowing well i started knowing some of it but not in depth, and now it's sort of like an object of on one side of research because we are researching from different angles, but also as a sort of like territory that I'm engaging with as well through uh, through video and through photography and other mediums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. And how would you say that the whole the project came about? How would you say that Crudevolta came about? Um. Okay, graduating from I mean, I start as a as a graphic designer, so that's 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 my uh, it's, these, these are my early steps uh, into the like a visual uh, in visual media, and um, and I wasn't really happy uh, in terms of like working in an economy that I don't consider mine, and mm-hmm. and I wanted to. Some, somehow contributes through my work uh, to my, uh, let's say, African identity and being part of an African economy. And, um, and also my background is in music, so I knew... Well, I'm, I'm, I, I, let's say that I have a sort of like a strong understanding of um, uh, what the segment is, is usually recognized as the urban music, so mm-hmm. hip-hop, dancehall, uh, and so on and so on, R&B. Uh, and and th- but but then uh, I I want I wanted something that was closer to me uh, in terms of my personal background and heritage and and um, and yeah so I started like okay why not engaging with something that you genuinely love and it's not necessarily driven by uh, uh, professional ambition but more by an intention to nurture uh, an economy that you retain to be yours. And mm-hmm. that, this, that's how we started. And I have to be very honest, um, I didn't know what I was doing. I knew what I didn't want to do, and that's always been clear from the start. Um, but and what it, was that? Uh, in terms of life, so first of all, uh, um, graphic design is inevitably um, connected to the dynamics of uh, industrializations, and specifically mm-hmm. Western industrialization, and specifically to this sort of uh, consumerist culture that we are entrenched with. Well, you also have that sort of like uh, more, uh, I mean, like targeting more, let's say, the cultural economy, like sort of visual 
communication targeting the cultural economy, but it's very um, high-ended in terms of access. And there is a sort of like a language to learn to access the territory and never been interest, interested in both. And um, and also, I, I, I've also perceived the field to be very elitistic because, again, access to information, access to technology, there's a great deal. People don't really understand the field of graphic design. We end up being considered those that make websites but we don't i mean like mm -hmm. some of us do uh most of us don't and um and because there is a great deal of knowledge behind graphic design it also depends what you want to do with graphic design really but there's a great deal of knowledge behind it in terms of planning communications intentions knowledge of audiences and so on and so on historical knowledge philosophical knowledge and so on and I didn't want to end up in something that didn't really belong to me because there's all that preparation that you need to become a decent graphic designer. And I ended up being, and, and that's the thing with graphic design that you are not really defined by the medium because you are open to all mediums. People have this very traditional understanding of graphic design, the graphic designer, the typographer, branding, uh, publishing, whatever, whatever. But graphic design is going more into stuff like filmmaking, uh, augmented reality virtual reality these are these are really territories territories but also like infrastructures graphic design mm -hmm. is really going towards the aspect social design and i ended up being into filmmaking um because first of all of my audience um african audience in the diaspora they are heavy users of platforms like youtube instagram and so on and so on so mm -hmm. as designers these are the choices that you make you don't really decide the medium the medium is uh, is informed by your audience and because our community is engaging mostly with these mediums and me being interested like in music as an experience and music is highly connected to filmmaking or to video making in general i ended up being involved in the in the aspect so it's, it's it's about really like choices not this maybe that not this maybe that so um, yeah, cross and checks, and you ended up doing something. It's like, it's like an, an algorithm response to your to your intentions, really. Interesting. I mean, I thought um, I was I was interested in to see if there was interested to know. Sorry, rather, if there was a particular sort of like catalyst or inspiration. But I felt it feels like from that um, from what you just said that actually it was something which is probably a bit more cumulative, like rather than it being something specific, which actually then made you decide you wanted to do this thing. Um, I mean, particularly because you said you didn't necessarily know what you were doing when you first started. Um, yeah. I mean, community. I, I would, I would, um, I would, I, I would say that possibly you have some topic, so critical moments where, mm -hmm. where I make these choices and definitely, um, getting closer uh, to my identity, I mean, overall, um, not necessarily just my uh, national identity or my historical identity, me as a being, as a person, my my personal journey. Uh, mm -hmm. There's some critical um, so moments that, that have informed me. First of all, I became a father. I think that really played a huge role in terms of understanding what sort of legacy I wanted to create, right? When I looked at my daughter and I was really reflecting about Mike, the individual, and Mike, the dad, and how these two elements can come together and what sort of legacy I wanted to leave behind. And so all these things were playing out. 
Then you have Mike, the Beninese immigrants that grew up in uh, Rome and then is suddenly in London. Mm-hmm. And so you, you have to negotiate that identity on different levels. Um, so engaging, for example, with the African community in London for me wasn't as straightforward as it could can possibly be in the beginning because there is that sort of like... Um, yeah, I mean that's 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 sort of like a level or level of distance or degree of distance that you need to overcome and find mm-hmm. find continuity. And music became the catalyst, and 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 my uh, and this becomes sort of my sort of like uh, recurring mantra: uh, why music is so important, as a sort of like age agent of continuity between our communities, and uh, and uh, and possibly the the internet i mean and also my background like in music I'm, I, I, I tend to play it down but i've been involved into music since i was 15 years old so um, mm-hmm. it really played a huge part in my life but I, it's so it's so much part of my life that i tend to consider as normal as possible like as something but I, I, i've been collecting records since i was 15 years old so i mean it's it's really a huge part of my life i don't bring it too much to the front. So there's been like different moments. Now, at, 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 it would be very long to like pinpoint all of them, but there are many moments where you sort of remind you of possibly what can be your mission or intention on this planet. So what, how my elements can interact with the world. So how I insert sure. myself in the world. And yeah, the, yeah, definitely that's, that's how it played out. Yeah, I, yeah I, I love that. And I think actually I can definitely see that in the work I'm, I was, it's actually quite timely because I was going to move on to um, some of the work from um, the documentaries that you made particularly the the taxi mm-hmm. the taxi uh, documentary series mm-hmm. um, I found actually just in general um, when I watching at least the first two I found that they were so well done um, there was I had this like sort of like overall feeling of like a sense of connection it wasn't necessarily necessarily about the music um that I was learning about I definitely learned things from it but I think what my main takeaway was that I had this whole whole sense holy sense of like connecting and I'm not sure if that was what the intention was but absolutely, that's absolutely. We, what I came away with absolutely I mean this, this is something that we were discussing recently on a symposium and and I'm really interested in the contextuality of music. For me, the I mean the the technical aspect or the innovative aspect or the experimental aspect. Yes, I enjoy it. I like it. Um, it's fundamental. I mean, I mean, in terms of deciding what is what, and in terms of allocating, categorizing music. But what I'm really interested about is uh, what what are the conditions that. Uh, facilitates the proliferation of this genre what are the conditions that generate this particular vernacular right why people start behaving in a certain way they start singing in a, in a certain way and also how does it feel to have that genre in that specific context and I, mm-hmm. and I understood that doing the documentaries because I mean one of the things of n- non-narrative filmmaking is that most of most of the work is done in post-production, in editing stages, so you really understand what you have worked with once you are in your editing station, because during the documentary, you're just capturing stuff. 
and you try mm-hmm. to make sense of things and it's a very reactive sort of like a practice you just capture things looking what's interesting who said what you look at you all over the place so you don't have time to sit down and really re- reflect and i don't think there is there is any uh any preparation can that can really set you for the documentary you have to be there to really understand what's happening and sit down with it to make sense of it and yeah uh, yeah and the home documentary the wars a taxi which actually i mean it's considered as a second one but actually as the first one but actually it's the second one uh because we had a pilot in morocco by morocco i was interested in um, music from the past that's that's for example is that's a critical point in developing the crude volta because um there i understood they are more interested in contemporary stuff because as africans we always left to our glorious past or our um imaginative future i'm really interested on uh, about africans in the present i'm interested in africans in their daily routines africans in the daily expression in the daily affirmation and how that came exude from music right how can we see it like coming out of music and um with the home i really understood the why the genre sounded that way and why it was such a departure for what we consider less like as in brackets african music uh, mm-hmm. and, and it really made me question the african imagination right and i'm just gonna quickly stop you there sorry no i problem. just realized that i didn't quite um give much context of, of what we we're speaking about but could you just quickly just for um the listeners just explain the the taxi series for us uh taxi series is a documentary format where we explore contemporary african genres what are considered to be african genres um through the experience of a taxi ride and um so basically we choose a particular music genre or a city and we explore the genre uh through uh pivotal artists or interesting artists within the scene or within the city and we try to make sense of the genre of the city through interviews but also exploring the the city in itself the architecture the the vibe the atmosphere and music and the inter- interesting thing about um taxi in my opinion is is a creative deliberate choice is that it's a visual mixtape so the music never stops and is mixed so the intention yeah so the intention is to have a mix a 30 minutes mixtapes and having a people they actually explain you what you are feeling uh, so it's sort of like in your subconscious but it's also in your conscious and i've chosen the taxi because it's a liminal space you are in the city by the same time you are not in the city so you still through that distance so it's a sort of conceptual uh, uh, decision and so you observe the city through the window the car window that give you the sense that yes you are there but you also have that sort of like touristic approach to it you know a bit mm. of it but you don't really know what it's about and everything makes sense with the memories just after a trip you come back and then you start thinking about it again and that's what i want from my audience but at the same time um my intention is to create um a collective imagination so what does it mean to be african and what does it mean to do african music and that's something that i didn't mention in the beginning i was interested i consider myself a pan-africanist and i consider myself as a sort of like um creative or thinker that uh, 
that comes from the hard work of the fathers of independence, right? In terms of conceptually, artistically, um, and not necessarily just the politicians, also the artists. We're talking about like the Aile Gerima, the Jibril Mambeti, or the Usman Sembene, but also Kwame Nkrumah, Jomo Kenyatta, Thomas Sankara. These were thinkers and artists at the same time. Uh, mm -hmm. Like Thomas Sankara was a musician himself, right? Um, and then, uh, but also like uh, the person that betrayed him, uh, his best friend. He was he was the 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 leading. He was a leading singer in the same in the same band. And um, so I, I try to under I try to understand that identity through music, and I try to understand how does it work when you have multiple imaginations that define that identity so what does it mean to be african and how does it feel in durban how does it feel in accra how does it feel in lagos how does it feel in addis ababa they're all different but for some reason they think that they are doing the same thing and 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 and, and for some reason they think that they have a continuity and they imagine that continuity and for me that's where it gets interesting because i want mm. i want to explore that imagination and I want to participate in that imagination as well. I want, I want, I want to enter it. Yeah, and I, just to to go back as well on um, where I cut you off. Sorry, uh, apologies. You were talking about um, the fact that it kind of came from this this pilot that you had already recorded, um, based in Morocco, um, and it was definitely something I noticed actually, like just reading and listening to um slash watching rather the documentary how you had deliberately taken this approach to looking at music contemporary music contemporary african music um and i noticed there wasn't there wasn't too much of a sort of like um a nod or harking back to to previous genres um during the actual film themselves and i thought actually that was actually a very it's very telling of like the way that the music music scenes in 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 Africa actually work. They're they're very fast paced. They're moving all the time. They're constantly developing, and I did get that sense that this is kind of like what you're you're kind of like tapping into. This like the way that the music well music works essentially like it, it's always changing. There's always like I mean, gom gom is not it's, it's not gone. But it's something that came really quickly, and actually, there's something else that's the all these other genres are now kind of like almost like taking it a step further and like taking like elevating the the status of African music um, in the global industry. Do you know what I mean? This the, these things become like a bit of a craze, um, and whilst obviously they're not going away at, at all anytime too soon, they're very much still like very big in in their locales yeah. in their in their natural countries it's just uh yes. it's very indicative of how the music like that whole ecosystem is working and, and I, I really like that yeah absolutely i mean like one thing is to i mean one important uh element in this interaction between african music and global listenership is is the interfacing with the industry and this mm -hmm. is becoming a more and more interesting like um, conversation for me on an economic level because I observe like African music from a more creative and sort of like um, ideological standpoint, right, or metaphysical standpoint, but I also observe it from a very materialist standpoint in terms of understanding what 
is happening and how we are interacting uh, with the structures of mass reproduction and what impact does it have with our communities? What do we get out of it? And mm. uh, and it's not really ex- explained clearly yet. So I mean, I, I personally, I don't see any benefit at the moment. Like clear material benefits to the communities, I don't see them. I see an access to African imaginations uh, uh, without precedence, and that's fine in terms of um, exposing our communities to appreciation. It's definitely might be perceived as a sort of like a positive value, but I'm more interested like in the use value of it. And so why is it useful, right? And this conversation doesn't really happen. And for me, looking at it, listening to it carefully, talking about it, we can start thinking about, okay, what's the use value of this relationship? One thing is interesting when people think about African music is that African countries didn't go through industrial revolution. So we don't exist under an industrial revolution. So we don't have mm. a system of mass reproduction. So all the infrastructures that exist around our imaginations are Western. Um, mm. and, I mean, the infrastructures that we use, the financial services they use, they are all Western. So if today someone decide, okay, let's cut off the internet, let's cut off the deals with the, uh, with the labels, let's cut off the deals with the brands, African music is back to rural and feudal infrastructures. And for me, that's a very interesting because it should inform, um, uh, in to- I mean, the so the back end of the of the industries, what should be done and what choices should be made. There's, also, there's a positive aspect to it that you mentioned that the, the, the sort of like a proliferation of genres that we have because, and this is a conversation I was having with a friend recently, and uh, we always look at these diagrams of African production, black production in terms of music. And we say, oh, black people have invented like rock, soul, gospel, techno, hip hop. Well, one thing that people forget to, and we haven't even mentioned like what happened on the continent, Juju, Akbala, uh, Kume, Makosa. I mean, it's just, it's just, it would be stupid even to make a diagram because it's, they're more... <laughs> the 200 genres that have been uh, created in the last 60 years. Mm. And that's because we don't have the concept of uh, ownership and personal property yet. So you mm. have the element of open framework and open sourcing where everybody can access the genre and you participate to, through it if you're good. So if you're good, you, you, have a, you have a shot. But the way you also with the systems of reproduction in the West, Yes, you're good for it, but also you have a um, you have a sort of like um, exchange value system that creates a way to make a profit out of it. So it might be like yeah. deals with brands, it might be this, it might be that, and that's and that's what keeps like artists in contract. And so so now we are at uh, interesting like uh, um, historical point in African music whether we want to decide if we want to retain our creativity or we want to use our music uh, under the workmanship ideal in the sense that I made the work, I need some money out of it if you want a bit of it and then copyrights come into play and this and this and that. To give a practical example, just observe what happened to hip hop in the last uh, 60 years compared to genres that they were created before. The turnaround Mm -hmm. between soul, funk, disco, techno, it happened like in WhatsApp, like, I don't know, 30 years. 
So you had genres that were proliferating in industrial America uh, at the speed of five to ten years. We had hip-hop around. That hasn't really changed in the last 60 years. People keep saying, yes, hip-hop moved to boom-bap, to club club music, to, I don't know, to uh, hi-fi and to trap and drill. But really, the formula is still the same. You're going to hear mm. some stuff from Chicago Sounds like stuff that African Bambata was doing in the in the late seventies. There's not there's not much change. You still using like sort of like a groove box and and samplers and and so on and so on because the industry has a formula, a formula of mass reproduction, and and we were discussing this because we we're discussing why why techno comes from Detroit and lands in Berlin, but in terms of because when people serve. Ohm, yes, Ohm is innovative, but go, Ohm is just like another genre. It's just something else. <laughs> like it, we have Kwaito, Durban Kwaito for a while, well, in a span of 15 years, and then we have something completely different. And then in the meantime, we have Afro House, we have Deep House, South African, I'm saying here, Scoopoo, mm-hmm. and then we have Amapiano. And this is just in a turnaround of 20 years since Apartheid. This is crazy. It's not normal. It's not normal. Mm-hmm. You create the black imagination, the African imagination, especially when it comes to sonic communication, is incredible. And I'm worried that we don't really know what we want to do with it. So um, we might end up being in a economic systems that doesn't really help us in terms of maintaining our creativity and our distinctiveness, because that's what I'm more interested because, like, I mean, the rest, yes, okay, it's interesting, but the distinctiveness for me is very important because I can look back and send thing and say, oh, wow, I feel in my elements. I feel, again, this sort of like um, responsive, um, uh, spiritual uh, interaction with the world, with the nature. Okay, I feel in my elements. I feel this is African, I feel this is, this, I feel this is black, I feel this is Beninese, this is Yoruba, this is Zulu. I, f- I feel that, right? Um, when the industry comes in, well, that's, that element sort of disappears. And you have other stuff that comes in. And I'm not sure whether they always bring um, uh, healthy interaction with our humanity. It becomes wealthy, definitely becomes wealthy. You can make a ton of tons of money out of it. And you can have the... The winner take it all, right? You have that African DJ that comes in, and and, and that's and that's what interested me, for example, because we have this idea now of the big DJ of a particular city, of the big singer from a particular. Uh, I mean, people can say everything they want to say in terms of how Afrobeat is being represented, but Afrobeat ten years ago was a community. It wasn't mm-hmm. that particular singer or that particular singer. It was communities, right? We had parties, old parties, weddings, where this music would circulate, markets, barbershops. It was a community conversation. And you will have, uh, I don't know, like at the same time, 50 big songs. But now we have a one or three big songs. And for me, that's, uh, that's a very interesting in terms of what we want to do with our creativity. Mm, interesting. I mean, in a way, it has is has starting the label say python syndicate yep. um which is obviously closely tied to kuda volta is that was that kind of like a response to this this sort of thinking absolutely so it responds definitely to this desire to experiment with uh, um 
alternative economies or alternative formats. So, okay, we want to create a sustainable and profitable um, infrastructures for musicians, but also for the community, how are we going to do it? And um, it's a really a trial and error uh, sort of like a practice in the sense that I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And I guess I get this aspect from the graphic design background because you're experimenting mm-hmm. with the letter forms, with colors, with shapes, the proportion, composition, and you're trying to see what's the result. And based on that result, you created something else. So there is the element where I offer different way to interact with it in, term, in the contract that we have the sort of deals that we have the approach that we have and then you have the elements where i tr- i try to be post genre because we have these uh i mean these uh i don't know like this almost a militaristic approach to genres where you will have just this type of music on that label and I'm inspired, actually, not by African labels. I'm inspired by stuff like uh, Excel Records. I'm inspired by stuff like Warp Records, uh, um, especially early Warp and Excel, where really try to transcend the genre. So how does it feel to create that sort of ethos in an African context? So you have, like, very pop, very famous artists like Young John, for example, is one of the biggest producers in Afrobeats in Lagos. And then you have something very... I would say almost obscure, like uh, Ethiopian records on the same vinyl. And they also like, uh, I would say, um, ideologically very distant. Someone that's really thinking about markets, selling, making catchy melodies and so on. And you have someone that is experiencing with Asmari's tra- tradition from, uh, you know, traditional Ethiopia. And I'm interested in, in, in that. And, uh, and then uh, there is also that sort of like... Um, there is also that sort of, uh, how, how would you say, that relationship um, with the with Crude of Volta documentaries in a sense that I really dislike that voyeuristic aspect of my practice where I go, uh, it really reminds this sort of like colonial practices where the explorer will go into the country, try to mingle. And it doesn't matter if I'm from these communities, right? I come with a with information and, techn- and technology which is almost external to that context. I need to be aware of it. And I can't just create value, use value, which is offering documentaries to people and don't contribute to the scenes. I need to contribute to the scenes. So this is my way to, yes, get into it, but also get busy with it. So it's like, you remember, like when we used to go to our aunties and uncles' places, Yes, you ate, now you have to wash the plates as well. It's not just you come to the party, you have fun and you leave. It doesn't work like that. You need to get involved. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, it, completely. It's very rooted in that sort of uh, culture. The, um, I guess, like, it'd be interesting to talk about uh, the actual making of those documentaries as well, because you, you were speaking about early on about how there weren't necess- there wasn't necessarily a particular um decision or particular like moment where that all, that contributed to you deciding to actually go ahead with the um the platform or the community rather um did you find that being actually making these uh documentaries were quite a big part in actually helping you 
challenge or um, make steps towards, I, I guess, like working out your identity or learning about your identity. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's. I, 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 I don't. Okay. First of all, I um, just as a disclaimer, I work with um, Tommaso Cassini's when it comes to documentaries. Um, in the beginning, as I said, um, because of my graphic design background, I didn't know much about video making and filmmaking, so it was sort of like a leading um, cine- cinematographic decisions. Um, and then Yenchi Taxi becomes a documentary where I take the lead. I'm the director there. I make decisions. I plan and stuff. And um and for me uh big entering that position is also very difficult because as you say i have also that sort of transcendental and cathartic experience where i'm not just observing and making i'm also becoming what i see because it really it, it, it really resonates with who i perceive it really be with the person i perceive myself to be it really sort of it really speaks to me and and it's not just a sort of imposed conversation right because you can you you can establish with yourself well this is who i am and that's what i want to do and you have this very sort of like again very structured relationship with yourself is it's a very uh responsive uh sort of like interaction it's it's it's, it's a very it's very carnal it's very visceral and in five years, I really struggle. I've really struggled to recontextualize who I am and what I do in Europe. And despite growing up in Europe and and being European, I mean, to to a certain extent. Well, I was born on in Africa. Well, I lived ten years in Africa before moving to Europe. So I, I wasn't I wasn't necessarily completely new, but I I came back as an adult. And you have you have a different way of reading things and understanding things. It definitely. I mean, I, I don't. I, I don't even think that I have the words to explain how deeply I've been affected by my practice. It really, it really changed me, and um, it really also changed the way uh, people that work with me understand what they are doing. Because then, as, as I say, I'm a movie is sort of like. Uh, uh very tiny practice just me and the cinematographer and collaborating now and then with artists to a community where i have other people working and proposing ideas and concept and so on and so on um and the way we understand what we are doing is completely different so uh okay i i just give you like a, a small example when i was shooting was a taxi at some point um it was kind of late night and I went into the garden of um uh it was a forgotten souls garden and um just being th- th- this, this is the thing about like a documentary because you you capture a lot you don't capture just with the camera it's not just a device it's also your your consciousness right it's also it's also your awareness of the situation you have yourself within what i felt in that moment in terms of what i was doing what was the what were the reason of my practice and what was the i mean there are no words to explain and it's it's very it's 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 very spiritual and yes i know this sounds very i would say cheesy or sort of like uh heard before but it is what it is you will take one element it's like you take a plant and you plant it in a in a, in a in a specific soil and you will see that plant start behaving differently 
you will start seeing the plants growing differently and uh, and like have different odor and, and so on and so on. So that's exactly what happened to my practice. I've taken my ambition to be a visual communicator and I planted in an African soil. And well, it was it was just different and 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 I've, I try to understand it like more lucidly now and then, but I can't really. Uh, it's just emotions, right? When we led by emotions and passions, we just behave differently. Uh, mm-hmm. Just uh, it's just it's, it's an organic relationship with um, with your um, yeah, with your drive, with your will. It's just it's just different. Yeah, I. I completely, I completely understand that, and I think actually that, I think that kind of resonates. I think that what you mentioned, um, particularly about learning from your practice, and um, I guess it helping it inform who you are and, and why you're doing things, and, and other people why they do what they do, uh, is. I think it's a lo- it's definitely a lesson. I think a lot of um, artists will go through because I don't know how you would respond to this, but sometimes people will try to separate themselves from from what they create as well. Because mm-hmm. um, what you create isn't necessarily who you are. But I feel like actually watching your films and watching documentaries kind of gave me an insight into to your own journey as well, um, and for me it felt like this is you were learning a lot from this experience um because i think as you say like a lot of it happens in the editing process and you kind of learn a lot about like how who a person is through the way they communicate what they communicate this content essentially um and that's kind of what i got from it essentially yeah absolutely and also like one one thing is seeing um an object right one thing is seeing like a materialized imagination. So I've created mm-hmm. this. And one thing is see that object or that experience in its context and when the person is talking about it. You really understand a lot of things. So, so there's the, the unspoken. And uh, I mean, in my in my culture, they call they call it the, the vodun. It's a spirit of things. It's a, it's, it, I mean, the translation is like the, uh, the, the unseen part of things. Now, as been in the West, it's been like translating voodoo or whatever, whatever, whatever. But there is there, there is this um, there is this understanding that everything that we see on the mati- in the material world as a dual dualistic relationship with the unseen, what makes it makes it be what it is. So yeah. once you are there, you are engaging with the unseen aspect of the material. Well, you really understand what it resonates. Like here, I get sonic in the acceptation of the term. Because there's a sort of vibration that is emanated from from that object or that experience, and um, I have been a person that have done like work that is detached uh, from who I am. I've I've done it, and um, and and so at some point I, be- I became like a bored of it. Like I I I I, I, I there wasn't any. Uh, particular connection to it or any meaning to it again that's another world I, I, I'm, I'm looking for meaning right um, that's the, especially in the music I'm looking for the, what does it mean so what what is it and um, so yeah um, this, this, this is a very interesting element that um, I, 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 I I got lost a bit here but, but yeah I, I, I hope you go what I was trying to say yeah no, no worries yeah um, 
since this is a collaboration with Black Minds Matter, um, I would like to learn about like how you how you keep good mental health. What is it? Do you practice? Do you practice good mental health? Is there is there anything you do in particular? All oh, right, that's that's I, I, actually I think that sort of like lends or connects to what we we're discussing before. For me, the continuity with um, a practice that is a result or a sort of like a nurturing aspect of who I am is a very important. I've learned, especially through this uh, pandemic, how much of our, um, I wouldn't call it necessarily mental stability, in my is not necessarily mental stability, but sort of like mental, and not necessarily health as well, mental balance, there you go, that's the word I'm looking for, is really determined by how we interact with everything that exists outside of us. And timing can play such a major role into this, especially when I was working, let's say, in real life, sort of like um, off, well, not office, because I teach, so I'm more in like sort of like classroom environment. Also just commuting. So what community can, commuting can do to me in terms of informing the way I will engage with the next activity. And um, so... When I say commuting, I don't I don't necessarily mean just taking the tube and going to work. I mean moving from context to context in spaces that I don't belong to or moving in spaces where I don't feel necessarily comfortable. And um, and that, that can be sort of like mirrored in also in my work because we commute in our work as well. So doing one gig or one collaboration or one specific thing, it means commuting from where you are in your practice to the next level of your practice, right? It's just like taking a taxi from where you are at the moment uh, in your professional career to the next step of professional career. I'm really careful about that. I'm really careful about, first of all, the pace of that, uh, of, of that transportation, how fast I'm going, if I really need to take that route. Maybe I need to walk, right? Maybe I need to get the fresh air. Maybe... Maybe I don't even need to go out today, you know. Maybe I don't. I don't really have to do that. So really negotiating my space and really negotiating um, my interaction with um, with spaces that are outside of me, and that gives me time to have exploration within. And for me, that's that's something that I really value at the moment. I spend. Uh, I started working again at least for an hour per day alone, mm-hmm. and. Um, that's amazing. Uh, yes, at some point your thoughts they start flourishing, especially mm. if you do it like at the end of the day. Uh, it's, it's 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 so important. It's, well, it's important on a physical level, yes, because you have like the oxygen that gets in. You have the, the blood that starts to circulate in a particular way, uh, circadian rhythms and so on and so on. But what is very important, what really important that happen is that you have this sort of like uh, release of subconsciousness. So you have some random thoughts. It's just the same thoughts you would have in your bed before going to bed, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you are walking and that sense of um, moving, right? That dynamism, that, sen- that the movement helps you to engage in a particular way with your thoughts. And that really helps me. It helps me, first of all, uh, to... Uh, engage meaningfully with discipline, which I think is so important in, well, I think in any practice, but particularly in my practice, any creative practice, actually, 
is very important because we are very instinctive and we tend to have many ideas and many desires and and we are we are quite pleasure seeking as people we always looking something that's gonna make us finally find happiness even if happiness will endure just like few minutes and we are always in that constant search of strong emotions so thinking about things helped me a lot like walking and think because of course like the breathing the solitude and so on and so on helped me a lot and um, and it also helps me to um have a sort of control of time i was just looking olympics uh, right now i was looking the 10000 meter uh race and the way they manage their uh, breath right and the way that they strategically use the breath the breath to finish the race first and also yeah. engage with the challenges and obstacles all the runners and stuff like that and the way they and it seems so natural what they are doing but they train for years and you can yeah. and when you start observing the way they engage with it there is there is the sense of control discipline um but at the same time also like engagement with the pace time calmness stillness and so on and so on so these are elements that uh, I am using also because again I spend a lot of time alone um, mm, okay. uh, I'm, 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 I tend to be a loner even if uh, in my in general I'm a very party head person but when the party <laughs> yeah when the parties I mean you can see in the documentaries as well I'm always in some parties with the camera and so on and so on but that's that's just one side of me the other side of it which might be the 80% of my life is solitude um, I really, I really enjoy solitude. We might be in the same space, in the same place. Sorry, but I'm, I will definitely not be in the space. I will be just in my thing, and it's for me it's so valuable. Um, mm. Because again, reflective practice is so important for me. I need to think about things to understand why I'm, what I'm doing, and so on and so on, in order to, I mean, in order to do something meaningful. I mean, that, that's, that's again, that's that's same the same thing. I mean, trying to find meaning. Right. Yeah, I um, I totally, completely, well, I completely agree with what you were talking about with the, uh, the sense of movement and it allowing you to. There was something I've I've seen to remember hearing or reading something about this somewhere, um, about movement and this this idea of moving forward being something really important, um, but your particular comment on walking and talking about the the 10,000 meter race in, in the running, it's definitely something that I have personally really benefited from, like being able to like practice running and definitely gaining and gaining a discipline and gaining what, a lot more control and a lot more sort of like connection to my body and how it's feeling, being able to like manage my pace, being able to control my breathing when I, when I know that it might be hard, but actually in the long run it actually is much better for you particularly at the beginning when you first start when your body is not used to something it's like all things that can be translated into your um day-to-day -day. um yeah so thank you for that that's uh yeah absolutely very I, I, eloquently put yeah I, I i run as well so definitely mm. thank you for mentioning that because again um running is also very important also like what running does it prepares you to endurance because some yeah. aspect of your 
your daily routine is also based on, on endurance. So you have all, always this sort of sense that you need to finish your things, right? And you have it in running, so I need, I need to finish, and you actually mm-hmm. need to step back and manage your endurance and understand, and, and it's based on process because running is a process. It's not really about finishing the, the running race or like the running the, or the cardio and anything is really exactly is really managing the process of running and it yeah. takes um, an, un, an awareness of how your body is running so how you're breathing how fast you are going uh, the pace and so on and so on actually how you're holding your arms uh, you know all these elements mm. they come into play and uh, yeah absolutely and thank you for mentioning reading as well reading for me is so important um, I've always been a reader and um i don't really enjoy uh, fiction uh, again uh, maybe yeah no narrative says a lot about actually it's interesting because i'm moving towards the narrative now um i'm writing for narrative filmmaking um okay. but yes i read a lot of like uh, factual stuff I'm, I'm really i'm really into politics i read a lot of books um like sort of like a political developments especially on our continent I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan and creative stuff as well but for me well i think everything is political really like so it's uh, i mean like <laughs> yes everything is really political you know yeah that doesn't surprise me i mean actually it kind of uh led me on to what i wanted to ask you anyway because um you mentioned before about how you were teaching um so you're a lecturer um at central state martin is that correct yes yeah could you tell us a bit about, a bit about what it is you lecture and potentially, and if 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 you could as well, like maybe like tell us how a bit about how it might inform your creative practice as well. All right. Um, so again, uh, teaching. I teach um, uh, audiovisual practice and filmmaking in Centre Saint Martin for the graphic uh, communication design course. Um, I, I teach uh, second years and third years. Um, a BA, sorry, I didn't mention that, BAs. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, me moving into teaching was very random. I, I, I have to be very honest. Um, I've been suggested I would be good into teaching. So that's that's really how we start. It wasn't really my intention to go into teaching. Well, so early. Um, because I mean, I've been told often that I have this very lecturing posture when I speak, right? You have, you have to know this, you have to know that, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, 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 yeah, possibly it's also part of my character kind of thing. Right? Um, but um, what uh, I find interesting is that when, once I engage with it, uh, with the, the, the teaching bit, um, what I, I find interesting into it is that first of all, the importance of conversation and conversations on a theoretical and experimentative level with, first of all, other practitioners, so people that do what you do, but also people that are not doing yet what you are doing. So um, my relationship with my student is very important. So that's one aspect of it. So I'm really interested in conversation with students, what they think the practice is, and what I would like them to understand in terms of what the practice can do and who they represent to the practice. Because that's, that's really my story. When I graduated, I was like, ah, graphic design can be anything, really. So I'm going to make it the way I understand it. Um, then for me, I have two opportunities. The first opportunity that is presented to me is that I'm a black body in a very white space. 
And that comes with all the conversations that we know. And if someone doesn't know, they should know by now. Uh, so there is, there is a baggage that comes with it. And um, I'm not a big fan of the responsibility because I don't think that a black or African individuals should be given responsibilities that they don't necessarily have. Uh, but I'm aware that there is a necessity to engage with, uh, with the baggage that come with it. It's uh, political, historical, philosophical, and um, yeah, yeah, and, and cultural uh, baggage that comes with it, which is important. So you have the aspects, the black lecturer. I am, my colleagues know that I'm a black lecturer, but students know that I'm a black lecturer. Also, um, I declare my work by being an African. So I enter the space mainly as an African, not necessarily as a black person, but mainly as an African. This is a conversation for another day, but there are many nuances into it. And um, so when I present when I present my work, uh, the references, so you have like a lecture that comes into place and start mentioning Malik Sidibe, for example, Usma Sembene, or Jen Kiru, or Aile Gerima, and so on and so on. So the students, they are really brought into this a space that's completely, completely new for them. And also like observing this conversation in an academic framework is a very in, in, interesting. And then we move to the third, which is connected to academic framework, because I'm interested to... African contemporary culture, which is which is really framed as a pop culture. So what happens when we interface academic uh, language, academic vernacular, academic jargon, academic method, scientific method, and popular culture? Well, people have crit critical theory, yes, very important, but there are also many other things that happen. So for me, it's an occasion to bring uh, our contemporary culture to an academic uh, uh, threshold, right? So, mm -hmm. and it's very important for me, and that's where my, my practice become important into it as a filmmaker, because I, I take not the culture that is a sort of like uh, imposed top down for the superstructure, like let's say like a upper middle class Africans, so to impose in conversation what the black. Uh, epistemology is but coming down from the lower classes when you have homo afrobeats or kuduru or whatever it really comes always think azonto fishermen in jamestown creating a culture and when we start to sort of like engaging uh, critically and theoretically with these imaginations and we um transform them the same way that early um um, I would say Europeans, uh, thinkers, intellectual and writers of the 17th and 18th or 19th century, they were sort of like theorizing the formation of a new Europe through the Enlightenment, right? And they were taking from, 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 from the vulgus, from the lower classes, they were transforming it in a new idea of Europe. So for me, it's very important to bring our communities uh, from from the viscerality of its expression to the to the to, to the level of uh, of academia, and I am presented with this invaluable, totally invaluable. Uh, I think also maybe unpre unprecedented, like a sort of occasion. Uh, in my space, I don't see many um, African or Black teacher engage particularly with these aspects. You will hear like 
people mentioned Derek Bell, critical critical race theory, Maya Angelou, but I wouldn't hear people say, okay, let's discuss about uh, I don't know bounty killer in a particular way, but not just bounty killer. Let's discuss about a particular aspect of Kingston, or let's discuss about Chicago, Southside Chicago. What happened after the nineties? Okay, uh, once they have uh, sort of like uh, stopped the proliferation of the uh, gangs and disciplines in Chicago, what happened? Oh, oh, let's go to the township. What has been produced straight after apartheid? What happened to the colored and what happened to the Zulus? What happened in that particular township? And then we have a framework where we have like all the African intellectuals that sit down and discuss the aspect. Uh, for me, it becomes very, uh, very interesting because we create new conversations basically and the new conversation well we don't we don't okay we don't create this conversation we just bring this conversation to a platform where everybody can participate to it because this conversation already being created and that's and, and and that's what what we that's the problem we are facing how can we um create the platform for our intellectuals they are not necessarily in big and shiny rooms they might be like in some shack you know mainland in the mainland in lagos but they are really theorizing a new african imagination a new african economy they don't use these words we have learned these words with the academic jargon but they are doing it so for them it's a practice or a praxis it's not really a, a theory we just provide the language uh to offer this conversation to upper to happen on a sort of like uh, high hand or whatever 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 and unfortunately we still have to go through that sort of like a validation to be accepted as um um as an intellectual as anybody else and don't be just a spectacle um and for me for me for example that's another aspect in the music i'm interested i'm not interested like in music as being an african spectacle um you know i don't want to have a, another josephine baker well even josephine baker was really fine in her thinking so i, I don't i'm not really necessarily making like a connection there but for the viewers there was she was a spectacle so um for me it's very important when the people see somebody i would say like a burner boy or somebody like dj lag or somebody like uh Kwesi arthur or whatever they don't see a spectacle but they see an intellectual and imaginative production and we just put down a taxonomy and a language where they can interact with it and um, interact respectfully with it and we can create like a sort of like a continuity so how where do we go from here what do we make with it so then again that's where you have the use value of it and teaching has offered me that that that, that possibility that possibility and um yeah yeah it's uh yeah i find i mean whoever said um whoever told you that to go into teaching i think um hit the nail on the money i think i find listening to I don't know if, uh, if you, you develop quite a lot of this uh, <laughs> through teaching, but yeah, it's so easy to just to sit and listen to you speak um, because yeah, you have a very good manner, a very uh, natural manner about you when it comes to like, I guess like informing others. Um, oh, thank you. I mean, like, it, it doesn't it doesn't come it doesn't come across as preachy or like uh, like you have to know this kind of thing. Um, I'm, so I'm still I'm still learning. I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I mean, I I completely got a lot of what you were saying from just thinking about the the way in which you communicate through your website, through the projects that you've done um, with Python Syndicate, with um, with Kudu Volta, um, 
I can hear all of this uh, type of thinking and, and where it's coming from, like through this. This is giving all of that um, language a lot of context in the way you've, the way you've actually communicated it. So, um, yeah, it's great. And Thank you so I'm much. Continue. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to ask as well because uh, I think we're gonna probably gonna bring it to a close shortly. But what? is next for Crudy Volta and um, Pyvin Syndicate. Obviously, things have been a little bit quieter um, over the last year or so. I mean, you did obviously bring out the the Free Burger, um project and that um, release, but I imagine you've been quite busy um, or potentially not over the last year or so. Um, so yeah, yeah it's, what's it's, next? It's been a very uh, busy year. Um, there, there are many, um, well, I would say many, but there are some important projects that we are working on. Um, we have uh, Chris Adolfo, which is a cultural producer and creative producer in Crudo Volta, is about to release his book uh, on Afrobeats uh, with um, publishing, uh, well, all black publishing companies, more important to say. Wow. Um, a, quick, a, a quick thing on, uh, it's like a publishing sort of a house that's sort of channeling um, black writers in the UK. And um, and then... A quick uh, thing on. Yeah, a quick thing on, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you, you will have a different books covering different aspects of uh, our communities. It might be food, it might be business, or it might be fashion, or it might be music, as in uh, Chris' uh, case. Uh, Chris will be focusing on uh, on Afrobeats. And it's interesting because I don't... I, I haven't seen a book on Afrobeats yet, so possibly it will be like uh, the first... Uh, book focused on the subject uh which will be very interesting because we need uh, exegesis we need to sit down and read stuff criticate review it uh, and inform ourselves so we can uh, push in the conversations and on my end uh, well I, I, I just came back from ghana so expect something from ghana uh despite the quarantine and, and that's something yes that possibly i've been traveling every year in ghana you know in ghana so in, in africa to make a project in, in a city so the the the, the 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 pandemic just stopped that and um but yeah i, I managed uh, this year to sort of like uh I, I i found the channel i find i found i found a way and um, expect uh something uh, uh ex- ex- expect something from us um we hope that you're gonna like it we put a lot of effort into it and it's an interesting project because for the first time, I wasn't working creatively on my own. So you have a pool of uh, black and African uh, creatives, that might be stylists, photographers, filmmakers, cinematographers from Ghana, but also from the UK, from London. So it's a very diasporic conversation and I'm, I'm really proud of it. And, but yeah, let's 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 put it there. We we coming with something very important from Ghana. Amazing. And um, will there potentially be something linked musically, like through the absolutely? Through the label? So we have a release um, coming in uh, January twenty twenty one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were actually supposed to release earlier, but we say, uh, well, we see that everybody is getting busy. So I say, okay, let's everybody do what they have to do. Again, the pace, the time, yeah. you know, there's no rush. There's no need to, you know, no one is running behind us. So, 
it's just taking our time and, and doing things and make things right so we can just talk about it and um so yeah we're taking our time and say let's let's relax let's let's make some good work and, and that's it perfect um thank you so much for talking to me today no thank you so much uh it was so nice um i'm i'm, I'm really um i was i, I was um uh, very honored to be on the podcast so i'm, I'm always honored to especially represent also crudo volta because that's the thing that crudo volta i don't know how much of me is into it um it's really about our communities right so crudo volta exists because our communities have been so creative in the last 20 25 years and um, i've just been given a tool which is visual communication to to frame it so i'm just someone that make frames and i just hang stuff on the wall so people can watch it and say look this 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 this, this happened and uh, and so i'm i'm very honored to be um yeah to to to, to be brought in in this conversation this is circles to be also sort of as assimilated or like you know being brought close to this stuff you know and, and that's the amazing things about the documentary because some of these artists they become a friend i'm like i'm i'm honored i'm like oh wow you know it's uh it's incredible i'm i'm good very good friend with some uh um originators uh, early creators i'm like oh, wow and they might be asking me you know to work on the covers and stuff like that i'm like oh, wow you know um for me it feels like a big deal you know because these things that will be more appreciated in the future than now people will look at this stuff in a very different manner in 50 under years you know now people don't really understand what's happening there's some yeah. crazy stuff that's happening right now yeah well i would also like to return that um uh, that and i'm very i've been very honored to speak to you as well um yeah i'm a big fan of your work and i think what you've done with crude water um with pipe and syndicate and also all of your lecturing um, is great and long may it continue. So we look forward to what's next to come from um, from the platform, from the community. And yeah, we'll keep we'll keep tabs for sure. Andy, thank you so much. Um, I'm honored. I've said it already. So I don't know what it is. It's really, yeah, it's really felt. So thank you. Thank you for listening to RA's Exchange with Mike Kalandra Achorde and Andrew Mensah. Black Minds Matter are currently looking for 21,000 long-term donors who are able to donate £5 a month. With your support, they can take real steps towards achieving their goal of creating a lasting impact on black mental health. There are links in the description of this podcast if you're able to help. I'll be back with a new episode for you next week. Until then, our full archive is available for you to take in. And if you find something you love, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts as it helps get our stories to more ears. <laughs>